Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Art Fight Podcast. I'm Joe Nolan. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Brian Siskin. Brian, it's just us uh, this week. You know, we, we talked about having less guests uh, instead of more guests, and then immediately we're just deluged with it, uh, releases and, and, and happenings and personalities, and suddenly we just were booked for weeks with guests, which is also great, and we're blessed. We're blessed for it, Brian. But uh, this week, we've got a chance to take a minute take a breath and talk about two things that are very important uh, in the world of fighting back to the fighting for this week. Primarily uh, we want to talk about uh, Israel Adesanya's almost perfect fight against Paul Acosta. And then we also want to talk about uh, one of our uh, colleagues in the media sphere who uh, is going to, she's going to hang up her belt and she's going to walk away. We're not sure if it's the first time or the second time or the third time, but what we know that uh, we're going to miss her in the time being. And we wanted to talk a bit about that. Uh, but first let's talk about fighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, geez, uh, well, we can talk about art first. We can do art fight, but I guess fight art feels better right now. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for the awesome intro, Joe. And, and for me, it's, um, I think also, you know, sometimes maybe we don't have quite enough time to talk about ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I'm, we I'm should game. have ourselves I'm on game. as a guest sometime. <laughs> Joe, what do you think about this? I, I, uh, I, uh, there's a, I think it's like a series. I really need to go back and look at it because it's, it's, Frankly, it's actually fascinating, uh, which is this series about Garth Brooks. I can't remember what it's called, but it's on Netflix. And all I've seen is like maybe the first couple episodes that's basically just about him becoming, by, I think by the end of the episode that I saw, it's like swinging on a rope in a stadium, fucking, you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Kiss. Top of, yeah, yeah, kiss level, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, and, it's it's a pretty fascinating documentary, but a thing the thing I always found fascinating about Garth Brooks is when Garth Brooks tells you about Garth Brooks, <laughs> and uh, yeah. because of Garth Brooks talking about Garth Brooks, my brother and I came up with this whole like thing. It's almost like the the tattoo codes in MMA or whatever, where you're like, this guy's more tattoos. That means that you know he might yeah. win this fight because the other guy has blue tattoos <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. and it's kind of the same thing where if you're some type of uh celebrity of some kind once you get to the point where you speak about yourself in third person yeah. then that's a that's a that's a stratospheric uh, uh place to be brian yeah that's that's the level i mean it seems like you almost uh, it does i will say though that when people are sort of superhuman um you can kind of at least place it as sort of like a mechanism or sort of a thing that they've done to sort of mm. regular guy themselves in some way. Like I think mm -hmm. about, I don't know, you almost have to be so ridiculous because you are kind of ridiculous, like Shaquille O'Neal or something, right? Like yeah. it makes sense coming sometimes, I think from people that are, you know, yeah, the, the mega stars or, or, you know, people that are just these kind of phenoms because I yeah. mean, ultimately they are talking about this apparition that yeah. exists for everyone. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. And, and somebody like, you know, somebody like David Bowie is smart enough to like take the need for that and like blend it seamlessly into his actual work life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, mm. uh, and, and literally psychologically, you know, make people fall in love with Ziggy Stardust. So maybe David Bowie can get a break. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I wonder how many people it's gotta be countless, right? Because all these, uh, sort of, I mean, I, obviously in the celebrity sphere, right. Or whatever, everybody does these kind of relationships that are kind of just part of climbing their little 
network or ladder or whatever. It's uh, it's like a I don't know. It's, it's an institutional weird thing, I think, in that world. I don't really know, but right. but but I guess uh, when you think about uh, you know, like sometimes you have to you have to like recognize the world that you're in and ultimately the language of the world that you're in and what right works and what flows. And so I think that it is like, yeah, where that bleeds in and, and where it doesn't to your, your actual life. But yeah, I wonder like how many uh, relationships and sort of rock music or, you know, acting, whatever, Hollywood type people, how many are because one person was this megastar and then this other person just, you know, like oh, some George Clooney type figure or whatever. And then the the woman is, uh, you know, like enticed by all this, and then uh, eventually is enduring the reality of this other, fully other per like like how many layers of somebody you'd have to unpack. Like if you lived with, right. you know, I don't know Paul Stanley or something. Like, wouldn't it just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I guess we've seen some of this on some of these ridiculous shows or whatever, right, but I I, like you can't believe show. those. This is yeah. like the kiss most kiss heavy show we've done. Yeah, um, it's I like think- I just I just like to make Belgian waffles. Like, what <laughs> I, I wear a candy cane apron because I love a good candy cane apron. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> Who doesn't love a candy cane? Apron? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Stanley loves a candy cane apron. <laughs> um, uh, I think you know. I, I'm reminded though that that Garth Brooks himself actually made a pop album under the the pers- under the persona of someone named Chris Gaines. So even yeah, he, oh yeah, yeah, like literally tried that, even though it was you know almost like a pop cultural like icon is at this point because it was so crazy, yeah. <laughs> and and he's still such a huge star that it's like you remember he did this really weird thing. <laughs> yeah, so, I just remember I think, being relieved that he just. I, I usually see that kind of thing as an indication that somebody's kind of lost it. You know what I mean? Like this whole thing, this whole thing has sort of collapsed them. Uh, So it's the the brown dwarf period of the career, (laughs) right? So the only thing for me was just realizing, like, no, actually, he's Garth Brooks is actually still he knows what he's doing. Like he's not he hasn't actually lost his mind. In fact, he's I think you know toying in a high art way with a lot of people and a lot of things too. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, no, he yeah he's. Uh, he's clearly been built to last and, and a lot of people didn't believe that. So I had no idea. Off. We were talking as much about Garth Brooks. Fucking uh, cowboy hats off to Garth Brooks. Motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, cheers, cheers to Garth and to Chris Gaines. We cheers. are happy to have you here with us today, fellas. Hey, and I'll tell you somebody who might need to come up with a new persona very soon. And well, he's already got one, so he'll have to come up with more, but uh, Israel Adesanya is a <laughs> yeah. global superstar who just maybe put in one of the, he definitely put in one of the greatest performances in UFC history. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I like to try to make our addressing of anything related to fights in this way, sort of uh, at least tip the hat immediately to people that are are in our audience that don't really get into this stuff. You know what I mean? So I kind of, I sort of want to start in kind of waiting till now to to cut this stream off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, Thank you. you know, I think that um, as I'm seeing it right now, it's kind of like it's it's actually quite funny in a way. It seems almost bad to make this comparison uh, in sort of a stereotypical way or something. But I actually feel like he is of uh, on a level that is as a person, this fighter, uh, Israel Adesanya, I think that he is on the level of like a Fela Kuti or mm. like a Miles Davis or... Um, you know, somebody that is sort of coming, he's, he's still pretty young. Um, you know, he's not a spring chicken, but, uh, you know, he's what 30 and, and he is this figure that is, uh, very, I think in an interesting way, kind of childlike, but just, um, 
and and lives in sort of a, a reality he's got a quite an imagination you know and and he's very articulate uh relates a lot of things to anime or to you know various cultural things you know he's weaving uh storylines and narratives and characters and avatars and stereotypes and all this stuff all the, all the time and so anyway i think that he's just an interesting kind of character uh but he's a, a story kickboxer and then now you know dominant in the ufc um and on his way up and doing it smart um and in terms of like uh i mean go look him up if you want to see his sort of dimensions or whatever but i mean essentially he's like uh uh before i say the next thing it's sort of like you know how certain people's like their bodies are made for certain things or like you know a dancer in a particular style that is serving a particular role a certain body type will sort of carry the day more relative to the gestural things they're trying to accomplish or i don't sure. know like like sometimes just things seem to to work and kind of fit i feel like he's got like these sort of video game sort of perfect uh stature and build and skill and response and quickness and accuracy like he's just this kind of video game like character which he kind of lives in that world too you know so he's he represents to me something that's strange in the sense that it's like this fantastical sort of thing meeting a kind of this anderson silva new reality Mm -hmm. uh it's like an ai enhanced yeah uh, anderson and silva yeah the thing i'm most you know like um the the sort of afterglow of the whole thing for me is I mean I, I should also admit too that I was I was perfectly willing to think that Costa who is an incredibly hard puncher and has fucking knocked a lot of people out yeah yeah I was perfectly willing to believe that that could happen for people who don't follow all this ridiculousness uh, it, Israel Adesanya recently appeared on the cover of a video game and. Um, it's been sort of a notorious curse that the fighters that appear on the video game end up losing their next fight. So there was that it was hanging in the air. I mean, to the degree that any of this is important ever, but there's superstitions around fights. And that was a superstition that was happening around this fight. Um, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that we saw a really skilled guy get taken out by somebody with aggression and power. Um, uh, and that was the beauty of this fight really was it was sort of like the classic martial arts, uh, uh, matchup. Not quite. I want to give Paul Acosta his day. I mean, he's a, I think he's a black belt in jujitsu and he's obviously as a talented striker. Um, so he's yeah, 100% a, uh, you know, accomplished martial artist, of course, but Israel, especially on the feet is, uh, you know, potentially an exceptional, uh, striker, perhaps one of the great strikers of the sport ever, you know, that kind of thing is where we're looking at with Israel Adesanya. So this really turned into a thing of, can somebody with, fucking insane level technical skill take on somebody who has some technical skill but is really gifted with all the other stuff you know what i mean like yeah well does technique really live up to what everybody says it does in the martial arts world you know um and israel Asanya fucking <laughs> hammered literally hammered that one home and said yeah. definitively yes it makes all the difference and and i mean it really and it was really a thing of to, to a large degree, it was really just a thing about, uh, uh, you know, distance control and footwork, you know? I mean, um, uh, Jack Slack is a commentator that I really uh, like, a guy out of Britain, and he he was the one, I think, who commented that for him, the problem was that Costa got frustrated and, and basically, like, his he got, his spirit was broken by the fact that Basically, no matter what he tried, he couldn't hit Adesanya. And at the same time, Adesanya was hitting him. 
And uh, he's like, you know, if you're trading like two for one or even three for one, like you're in the fight, you know what I mean? And if yeah. you're, if you're Paula Costa, that one might be all it takes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he's not afraid of getting hit, but, but something, you know, might've happened when just time after time, mm -hmm. Israel Adesanya is just circling away. And now suddenly he's, you know, giving just enough, you know, feints and all this stuff that Costa can't really charge him, you know, and is hesitant. Mm -hmm. Now he's getting hit again. You know, it's, it was one of those kind of fights. It was a beautiful fucking display yeah. of everything that it, in terms of the fight itself, everything that you could want, I think in this sport, this is why I watch this sport. This makes the next terrible 50 fights. I'm going to watch mm -hmm. well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, Back to sort of looping in the, you know, as the people in the MMA bubble call it like sort of casuals or whatever, but um, people that are just not uh, wasting so much of their time with the sport, uh, they should know that we're sorry for every time we've asked you to white, watch a fight because like, no, this is going to be amazing. You're going to see, you know, whatever it was, you know, John Jones fighting, you know, whoever, and and you're going to see something really special. Sometimes, you know, you know, that would happen, but a lot of times it would just not really register to people like still, I mean, I get it, but like they're not, unless Jones was doing something wild, you know? Uh, right. So there's something about what's happening now where I think that you can, I think put your money on like that. You're going to be able to watch something that is of a level that is rarefied and should just be accepted as like forget about the competition of belts and accolades and all the things. It's like once you've gotten to a point where you've developed yourself and your style to that, just, you know, to that level, um, then it's going to speak once you're the best at something and in, in such a stylistic and interesting way. And so beautiful, beautiful to watch kind of way uh -huh. for kind of, for kind of anybody. Right. Um, you've got it all right. He's got, he's got the, the whole, the whole thing. And I don't mean like, Oh, and he's, he's good at, you know, doing media. It's not, it goes way beyond that. I mean, to, to tie in what you were saying, Joe, it's like mm -hmm. people aren't really uh, even still fully addressing. I don't think what mentally, uh, Adesanya did to Costa, mm -hmm. um, fully. And I think that he just, I think he just loomed over him in this way that was, uh, and that's, you know, when they say Costa, you know, he, he wasn't throwing and he froze and, yeah, you know, all this, and they always try to say that, you know. But it's it's like no, no, there's if you are all of a sudden in a state of superstitious awe while in the middle of a fight, it's probably going to make <laughs> you a little slower to throw, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's one of those things where you know I feel like you know it's like I just said. I really, I really think that that some of that analysis that I've heard, I think, is right on the money. I think you know you can also point to the fact that. You know, I mean, he was getting, you know, his, he was getting his front leg, like kicked to kick to pieces, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I think there's also that aspect of it, of like, you know, between the feints and the distance management, I think that frustrated him, but you know, it's also frustrating just in a physical way to be somebody who really kind of wants to make a break for it. Like Costa's a big, huge guy, but he doesn't have big, long arms and Adesanya is actually a big, huge guy who's just thin and, and long. And so yeah. I think he had an eight inch reach advantage on him. That's insane. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and not to mention the fact that Izzy has long legs too, and he likes to kick your legs like I'm talking mm -hmm. about. So, so, so Costa has to get past that in, into a space where he can actually knock 
is he out? You know what I mean? So the way we've seen him do that really has just been by blitzing people in the first round. Well, that's and the then, thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, why aren't they, why, yeah. but, but it's always, you get, if you're, if you're a Costa fan or whatever person, whoever that is, I don't know what, I mean, yeah. you, you get what I'm saying. It's like, you're just, you know, it's kind of like when you're watching your basketball team and they just won't take the ball to the basket. Like they keep shooting mm -hmm. threes, they keep shooting fadeaways. And it's like, no, 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 you're in this game. Like you have to take it to them. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's a strange thing uh, where that, especially when you're up against such a, a tactician, you know, you, you want to like just make everything helter skelter, I would think. And if that's already kind of yeah. your thing, then that is, have, yeah. Right. Unapologetically, wildly, like this is your opportunity to go after it and do that. And nobody can say, like, well, you lost your mind and that, you know, you, you were overzealous. And yeah. that's what, you know, nobody's going to be able to say that. So, because it's like you did the thing that was the smartest thing to do. And that was yeah. some wild shit, man. And you, you might know? have gotten away with it. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, uh, Israel yeah. has shown himself to be very tough too, by the way. So he's gotten hit hard yeah. and he's been fine. So, so just because he got hit really hard and he got hit hard by Paul Acosta. Paul Acosta landed like something on him. What didn't he at one point, like at the beginning, didn't he land a punch on him on his head? Um, I think, I think he might, yeah. but anyway, regardless, I mean, he's gotten, he's fucking fought Yul Romero. The guy's been hit. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a guarantee that Costa would knock him out, but it's, I think any, any reasonable person would say he absolutely could knock him out. You know what I mean? I mm -hmm. think people were a bit surprised by the fact that, uh, Israel was able to, to finish Costa. Um, but I don't, man, when you see them side by side, they're, they're both huge dudes, really. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, even though they're built differently and, and, you know, I mean, it looked to me like Israel, like caught him, uh, like it was like a, a right that missed and then an uppercut that like caught him like the temple or like behind the ear, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's, and, and he's on the way down right into it. You know what I mean? And so it was like, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you, you might just go to your knees for a second and then bam, somebody hit you 10 times before you can figure out what the fuck is happening. You know, so it didn't seem like he necessarily lost consciousness or anything like that, which is good. That's fine. Um, I'm happy when people don't have to lose consciousness, yeah. but, uh, but you know, but he definitely, uh, I, I think there's a combination there of like being disoriented, but also being, you know, not on fire with this passion to beat this guy because of the fact that your leg has been beat to hell. You haven't been able to hit him all night. And, every time you try to go forward, you're just going into the fire again. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it just, I think in some ways, you know, there's, I mean, we've seen people doing, you know, watch, you know, Tyson Fury get up off the fucking mat after that punch. You know what I mean? People have done incredible things just because they're like, I'm not going to lose this fight. You know what I mean? And, you know, you have to question a little bit of that kind of spirit. And, and also too, it's not even necessarily about his fighting spirit by any means, you know, but, but it's everything. I mean, you're trying to have a fucking gladiatorial battle in the middle of a pandemic. You're in some Island fighting at what, what time were they even fighting at? Like some ridiculous time. Yeah. It's or, like six in the morning or something. Yeah. It's like 6am. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's like all the fight. I mean, like the prelim people were like, evidently they were like on these schedules where they were all like napping like three and four hours at a time because they basically were like, I'm never going to get my schedule adjusted to this. You know what I yeah. mean? It was just easier yeah. to just kind of keep working and staying, stay rested. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, again, I mean, that's, you know, and you're in the middle of the other side of the world. You know what I mean? There's a million things to just throw you off for 25 minutes.
You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. what it is. It's just 25 minutes, you know? It's, it's funny how I think like intense context changes like that for anything can have, I think for some people, a, a, a certain type of, uh, it causes a certain type of response in certain people and it causes another sort of equal and opposite response in another type of person in terms of like, uh, you know, people that thrive on whatever their routine or, and they, they have some sort of grip on that where like, that's, that's how, what keeps me sane and keeps me doing everything right. So if that's taken away, even if you know you're on sort of this mission to go do that, like you, I think that, you know, it's kind of like if, if all of a sudden you're, I don't know, playing a show and you, you know, if you've ever had the pleasure of playing a show where you're like, I really thought that only maybe about, you know, a hundred people would be here tonight at best. And it ended up being this like insane, you know, like people, you can kind of rise to the energy of those kind of oh, changing 100%. circumstances, or it could be like, Oh, we actually really didn't rehearse as well as we thought, yeah. you know, oh, fuck there's people yeah. here. <laughs> Whereas like you probably would have played equally or better. It's just, like, it's not about, yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah. always better. No, it's I, 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 in my experience, I feel like, you know, when you play live, you get superpowers anyway. I'm like knocking on wood as I'm talking about this stuff, but I feel like you get, uh, you know, there's something just the, the thrill of being in front of people. It just, it's, I mean, frankly, it's nerve wracking and you can use all that nervous energy to help you. You think faster. It's, I always, I mean, it's almost like with athletics. I mean, a lot of times they'll talk about the idea of like a bad practice is a good game, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I always feel like the show almost always is like better than what I thought it would be just because it's the show, you know what I mean? And because yeah. you get all that free energy, you know what I mean? And like you say, when you show up at a place and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, this is nice setup. I can hear myself sing. There's people in the audience. And it's like, it, cause none of those things are necessarily there anytime ever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Suddenly at it's the same like, time, Oh, yeah. I'm being treated like a human. And, uh, Maybe somebody's and, even going to make some money and, you know, I, I yeah. it just looks great. It sounds amazing and people are paying attention. It's like, wow, this is incredible, you know, because it's, you usually get some of that, you know, but, but it's really, it's really the exception to the rule when you have all that stuff. And I think, you know, like you say, maybe on some level you could get unnerved by that. One thing that I've been thinking about recently is that I've never, ever really enjoyed recording in like formal recording studios. I've really never enjoyed that. You know, yeah. uh, I've, I've liked it better at times than others. I feel like I've done lots of good stuff in them, but you know, so it's not like it gets in the way of the work or whatever, but man, I just always feel so much better at some kind of remote sort of setup or at like a home studio, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe at like a smaller, like professional like boutique studio of some kind that's actually kind of the whole point of it is that it feels more like that it feels yeah. more like a place you can just hang out and make music you know but to me it's like i just i just feel like you know that you know that vibe when you're recording you know i i don't want all that formal vibe when i'm recording i want it to just be chill i just want it to yeah. be kind of just a very mellow scene yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah well i mean like I've, have you ever been like well like there's this one studio that I went to many years ago. Uh, my first sort of experience, I think with what you're kind of talking about where it's like, this is too much, man. You know, uh, I can't, I, I was luckily I wasn't a musician on this, but I was sort of working with the, the drummer on this project and 
uh, this is back in the nineties in Seattle, but there was this, uh, uh, Bob Lang studios, which is, um, off it's in an area called shoreline, which is, so there's like the sound and then there's these sort of cliffs, you know, kind of rows of houses and that kind of, what year off. is this? This is like 96, 97. Okay. And, uh, so when you're outside, is this when you're like out there playing drums. Yeah. With, yeah. And doing, I was working with, uh, Michael Shreve. Mm-hmm out there at that time uh but yeah so you you roll up you're kind of almost in this neighborhood and then all of a sudden there's this kind of blank area where there's no uh in the hillside where there's no houses mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's just this kind of concrete arch kind of protruding out of the earth in this hillside and then you, you just you go up to it and then you you open it and it's this massively thick like concrete bunker type of door and then you go in and the entire place is subterranean and it's massive. I'm talking about like rock wall caverns, you know, up like uh, he had a room in there where you could put an orchestra and this is all subterranean. And I'm talking like the most t- tricked out everything, Outrageous. right? It's uh, I mean, a bunch of Seattle, the bigger Seattle projects were done there. I'm sure uh, that, you know, some of the bigger, whatever Nirvana, Soundgarden, all that stuff, you know, some of those mm-hmm. records were done in those. And, uh, but anyway, you know, but when I saw that and I was glad, I just couldn't imagine being like, yeah, like a songwriter. Like I'm just a, a guy with a guitar telling my stories. And then sometimes I have a band and that's awesome. Right. And then sometimes I'm doing my own thing and that's fine. Right. But really it's music born of men and guitar, even if it's translated out to a band mm-hmm. ultimately. And I just couldn't imagine. Yeah, being, that's a pretty good definition, Brian. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Men with guitar. <laughs> have guitar, uh, travel <laughs> so so but in this space that was so grandiose and sort of neo-gothic just madness right utter madness i'm like i i would hate to you know come in and want to like strum through some songs here like you better bring something to this place you know what i mean like you're yeah. and so sometimes those places can kind of outweigh but i think that even I've, I've definitely worked in studios in nashville where i'm like this is bad i mean there was a project i worked on years ago where a project that was already in progress that was having some challenges. They wanted some fresh production mm-hmm. energy into it. So, uh, and it was at starstruck or one of yeah, like Reba McIntyre's like insane helicopter pad studio oh. over on music row. And, uh, uh, and I went in there, I'd never been in there or worked in there. And I was just like, this is, uh, it, it feels like you're in like an, uh, a giant 90s RV that has faux marble and makes records. Like it's this mm-hmm. weird, I don't know, but it's a huge, beautiful, I mean, the, the microphone collections and all this, you're like, right. oh my God, like this is a, a freaking museum of, of <coughs> electromagnetic uh, mystery, you know, but yeah. also like get me the hell out of here. And mm-hmm. we that like my, when I came into that project, the first thing I said after working there one night, I was like, we got to go somewhere else, man. And it's like the studio you could dream of, you know, like, yeah. So anyway, I, I feel you on that. Like it's it's yeah. um it's a weird thing. An environment means everything. And so if we're trying to loop that back at all to sort of the, the fight scenario, those drastic changes. I mean, I think that some people are rising to that context because I mean they're getting out in Abu Dhabi in, in 120 degree weather or whatever it is, and mm. it's like going to the moon, you know, or something or Mars or whatever. It's it's not just like oh this was a long plane ride, right? Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it's I, I I you know we've t- we've said it before, and I think it's. It sort of could become normal now, but uh, it's important to remember that, you know, 
that that's the that's how all this stuff is happening and it's important to remember that like not only for ufc fighters but really for workers around the world listening to this broadcast um it's really a time when i would love to see more you know more work now is i i know it's hard because i know people are afraid about losing their jobs and it's also a time when it's more crucial than ever for many of these people to be doing their jobs. And if those people got together and decided not to do their jobs, they would have a lot of fucking leverage. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I would, it, it, it feels like it would be great to see more of that instead of seeing like stuff like, I can't remember one of our media friends on, uh, it might've been Trent and on somebody on Twitter, uh, posted something about, um, what's her name? Jessica, um, she just Rose had luck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how like she, she, I don't know what her second job is, but evidently she has a second job and he's like, you want, you know, basically like, you know, this girl is like, this is all these things she's doing. She just traveled around the world in pandemic to have this fight and all stuff. And she still has to have a second job. Like that's how much she's getting paid to do this. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And she's yeah. winning. She's winning too, by the way, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's got a very cool Instagram. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like she ain't doing it right. She's doing everything right. You know? Uh, so, well, it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird world right now. I mean, I don't know how much they're affected by not having a gate and all that stuff, but, um, I, I'm sure it's very expensive to do all this, but um, you know, I think they've probably got it in the coffers, uh, and they're they're nothing without these fighters. So, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. And then, you know, if we want to sort of switch gears a little bit, I mean, I think that um, you know, also in terms of just what it is to be working right now, and then pursuing your 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 passions, and then also trying to figure out like how can I make a buck and also not go insane. Right. Uh, people are reevaluating a lot of things about their personal lives or you know how, how they're functioning right now and uh, i was kind of struck when, when uh um uh sort of the the greatest of all time mixed martial arts photographers uh esther lynn uh sort of announced her walking away from mma fighting and great segue you know, uh, a long a lot like a, a long a long career <laughs> right at 5 30 you know? perfect so yeah you're perfect. right really seamless baby <laughs> i gotta say that's like one of those like i see these things i gotta see this head gig in slow motion yeah. <laughs> yeah. so uh, so so anyway you know i think that uh you know she's someone that i i you know how you can just tell sometimes people are kind of your kind of people. I really, mm-hmm. I, I feel like she's just got a, a good vibe and is doing a lot of things that are the right things. Uh, and how much do you relate to her as a photographer, Brian? And I, yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, is like I said, I've, I've done it. I've done cage side photography a few times and that's all I needed to like. It was really, really, really hard. It was, I, 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 I will, I'll be the first person to say that I thought it would be a lot easier you know, as a photographer, generally you're chasing subjects or your moments or, or whatever, and, and a free and open, you know, place. But then when you're putting people behind a cage and, and then you're photographing them, and even if you're right up against the cage and you can get through the links and, you know, but like, uh, the technical challenges uh, of photography in that realm are profound. And I learned very quickly, I didn't have the right camera at the time, uh, for what I needed. Um, this was maybe 2012, you know, and I had like in 2012, if you had a digital SLR from 2008, like you were kind of hurting. So, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, but you know, I, I enjoyed it and I got some good things here and there, but I didn't get, I mean, when I see what she does, uh, 
and when she talks about her process, you know, uh, I really identified with it um, in the sense that you know she was talking about how she fully sort of tenses up when she's she's shooting, and it's just it's kind of nerve wracking. She doesn't really enjoy the the fights, and that was one of the first things that I felt when I was in there, even just for, not in the UFC, but in smaller promotion. But just my my little sort of cage fight experience, uh, cage fight photography experience, was basically that. Uh, on one hand, I feel like I'm going to have a front row seat to this thing that I'm really starting to really appreciate and understand. And this is going to be like the perfect laboratory environment for me to kind of like go in and serve a function and do this thing and do some creative work. This is the marriage of all the things. This is great. I really thought about maybe being more pursuant to it. And then uh, after a few fights, uh, I was like, man, this is, this is hard. Like this is really, really, really hard. Um, and so to see the work that she does, uh, and you know, beyond that, you know, a lot of the sort of kind of documentary and, uh, poetic kind of narrative, uh, against her photography, her series, uh, focus, and, you know, all that, like she's just done some cool stuff. And so it was quite a treat actually to learn that really what she was going to do is leave and start going, going, uh, into the, the realm of voiceover work and some other mm -hmm. freelance things. So anyway, it's kind of like a, a friend that doesn't know that they're your friend, uh, so a person you very much admire uh seeing somebody hang it up and do something else is cool man because she's somebody that's kind of too good for it and as a sort of footnote uh you know she clearly noted a lot of the sort of the mma community static on the frequency of your life you know just without getting into too much of that like it can be a dark place so to just be like you know what fuck this i'm out like that's it's good. And I, I think that the, you know, the, the pandemic has forced a lot of these things, you know, she hadn't photographed a, a fight in six months. Mm -hmm. So, uh, right. the, so all, be, I mean, that yeah. was her, that was her, you know, main, um, point that she made when she said, I'm leaving, this is why I'm leaving. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's interesting, you know, you know, in terms of the themes of this show, because it's like one of those things of like, how much of like what, uh, how much of our creative work is about, um, uh, like making meaning in a way. Like she said, she like said the words, like something to the, I, I think I'm quoting her, but let's say I'm not. Uh, but she made the point of like, I'm a photographer. I've got to shoot. And it was sort of like, if I can't shoot my photography, then I got to do something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and, enough, right? and or find something else to shoot. You know what I mean? She could, yeah. like, she's obviously a very talented photographer. I'm sure that's not the end of her photography, you yeah. know, but it may become, you know, maybe a fine art thing at this point or whatever. But, and I, and I think it's, you know, uh, maybe we could still get her on the show. Cause I know she's, she was, she made some kind of a point about, some fighter she was supposed to like make a make a short film of or something like that and she said you know don't worry we can still do that or whatever she's like we can still oh do yeah that. that was I the um it was uh mixed martial arts that little series they do where they basically just do like fighters and their dogs or whatever oh okay okay and it was um uh i can't remember the fighter that's um, anyway <laughs> but anyway i feel yeah. like i feel like you know maybe you shall still do things like that or whatever and it'll something else you know or maybe she'll just do photograph something else entirely but and she she's yeah. been People doing like that have to be creative and be working so she will yeah and she's been yeah. doing voice stuff for bloody elbow too right uh for mixed martial arts.com mma fighting.com mma yeah. fighting i'm sorry yeah, yeah. uh she's yeah. all she's all elbows on tinker on uh, twitter right? <laughs> on, on tinkerbell on tinkerbell <laughs> find me on tinkerbell all elbows <laughs> she's all elbows right that's, yeah. her, that's her nickname that's why i think that's why i'm thinking uh of a uh, bloody elbow but yeah. um, uh 
Yeah, but she's done some like voiceover stuff for them on some of their like uh, intros and stuff like that, right? Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's done all kinds of things. I mean, they have all the different series and things that they've done. And and what's been really cool too is that you know I've seen in the last year or so, you know, as a person who's done like sort of content team type of stuff on some level, like to see like that group of people trying to innovate and do different things, trying different formulas. They had that sort of wild news kind of uh, show and, you know, like kind of got a little weird with it, right? They kind of well, did. And, yeah. And Esther and other people, like it was really the first time that all of a sudden they were like in front of cameras, you know yeah. what I mean? And talking on the mic, they were not just people behind the scenes who yeah. were taking photographs, you know? So yeah. it would, that kind of happened when they had the exodus. A lot of people left to ESPN and stuff. Is that right? Yeah. So, and, but what I love about that though, is just the, when, when you, when you see people that you, you know, that they're kind of in a spot, you can just, but if you understand how things work and you could just, it's not hard to sort of see like people are leaving and, and there's, you know, and to see people trying different things and just, mm -hmm. it was a bummer actually to see how sort of the, even maybe it wasn't even my favorite thing or whatever that they did. It's bummer when you see people just slamming, people trying something different. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like without even giving it a, a moment <clears throat> to sort of just be, uh, you know, to like people yeah. have very little room. Can I see, can you tell me, are you talking about a, a, a show that's like a weekly show? So the, they did this MMA news kind of thing, but it was kind of a little bit, you know, sort of, uh, you know, she had like the wigs on and, she, you know, like they were doing oh, like, yeah, kind yeah, of wild yeah. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they would kind of cut to different people that were sitting in the, 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 yeah. their sort of pieces sure. segments or whatever you know i mean like i mean it was shit, creative like, yeah like like try some stuff have fun with it see where it goes and not right. be afraid to put it down and don't take it as like oh no i had a bad idea then that's not what they were doing they were just kind of rolling it out checking it out right and, and you want feedback from people but you want constructive feedback that you can kind of right. work with not just like this this fucking blows, man. Do you think that's where? Do you think that's where some of like the second thing, like you said, she sort of addressed like the toxic environment yes. that the sport can create. Do you think that's what she was talking yeah. about? Mostly, is just like yeah. them sort of trying to remake the brand and yeah, making a lot I of shit. To, yeah, and I wanted to say that in that way, just because I don't want. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, this is not what I see as people being sort of petulant and like I, I'm too big, I'm too cool, or whatever to uh, be made fun of by other people or something you know, it's darker, way, way darker and, and way more, you know, uh, it's just bad vibes, but it's not being, right. uh, it's not being a, you know, a snowflake or whatever people, you know, it's no, not, I mean, no, no, no. She was, no. She was she's yeah. been, she's been doing, she's been working in MMA. I think she said for 13 years. So it's like, she's no, she's not a snowflake by any means, you know, yeah, she's mean? not hypersensitive either. Yeah. I mean, well, she's, she says she is, but I mean, yeah. you gotta, you but gotta be she's somebody who <laughs> you gotta be tough to do all the yeah. work that she's done. Hey. I mean, she, she did something for 12 years or whatever that I right. did three times and was like, I don't think I have what it takes to do this. Right. And she was doing it. I mean, better than anyone. I I mean, here's, let's say this, let me say two things. One thing is, you know, really when we're talking about Esther, we're talking about someone who has in many ways defined the, the sport visually. You know what I mean? She's yes. put a huge fucking stamp on what people see in their mind yep. when they think about the UFC, yep. a huge stamp. Yeah, perhaps an indelible one because whoever comes up next, they're going to be compared to Esther. Is it as good as Esther's? Did she get that shot? Esther got that fucking shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, so we'll see what happens and good luck. And I hope some great photographer with, with their own eyes and their own interests and their own abilities, you know, can come and, and sort of help to start defining what that next look will be or whatever. But I feel like, I feel like, 
you know, the, the, the point that she was making about the toxic environment. stuff. it was really just her saying at the end of the day that, you know, all these years of grinding out all this content going through the recent times of having, you know, the, you know, just a turmoil, basically, you know, trying to do a bunch of things and getting negative feedback half the time. It just wears you out, man. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and now yeah. she can't really do her job. So, you know what, maybe I should pivot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those so, things where it would have been smart. You know, yeah. And I, I, I had uh, sent her a tweet or whatever, just set, saying something along the lines of, um, you know, just that I fully understand that uncertainty in this way is super, you know, daunting to kind of just leap into mm -hmm. to not really know what you're doing next. But, uh, man, uh, cause I did this, you know, this jump, you know, a few years ago where, uh, any security that I had, I, I definitely jumped away from. And, uh, it's weird. It's almost like, uh, I don't know. It's like a, a thing for anybody that's ever sort of worked a, a career in a, in, in, for somebody, you work for somebody else for a long time, and then all of a sudden you go freelance or independent or start your own company or whatever. There is this, you know, if you're already prone enough as a artist to uh, imposter syndrome and, you know, all these other considerations that, you know, you know, I think that she's even stated that she feels sometimes, which is, you know, uh, to us seems ridiculous, you know, people that have observed her talent. But, you know, it's like, like how, how you, this is the only, this is the only choice to make in your life. This is not, I, you realize quickly, this was the only thing I could have done. It's yeah. not like, Oh, I'm sure I survived this thing. You get out of it enough. It's like, it's kind of like being in a bad relationship or even just like a not great relationship that you just don't need to carry on anymore or whatever. Yeah. You know, just, uh, I'm not saying everything has to yeah. have, I have this tonality of you'll do it, to, it, <laughs> right to trauma. Whoever you'll do whatever it takes to never go back there again. And I feel like, I feel like, you know, that's, but I think that's part of the difference. I think there, I know people who freelanced and they, they, they could not get out of freelancing fast enough. They never want to freelance again. Mm. They think it's insane or they right. think it's crazy or it whatever. <laughs> They've actually tried it and they it just is. were like, fuck that, man. You know? And I think that, you know, for, for people like us, it's really a thing where, you know, for me, I just sort of happened into it. I just, you know, moved to Nashville. I got my first songwriting uh, publishing contract and that ultimate, you know, ultimately any money that that was generating would be a 1099. So it's like, oh, you've, you're making money as a self-employed songwriter. So that, that requires taxes and all this kind of stuff. And I learned that as a young adult, you know, because yeah. I just suddenly that was there. And then pretty much just for the rest of my life, that part of my tax return just got bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But it was and more complex. There. Yeah. It was always there. And there was always a part of me that, that understood that, Hey, you're doing this thing over here. That's just yours. You know what I mean? And, and on some level you can make it whatever you want. You know what I mean? And it's like, Oh, okay. Hey, you know, you can go. just create your own work and then create work. <laughs> hey, hey, hey Joe. Yeah. Haven't you recently created some work that you would like to talk to us about and this share? Nonstop segues today. I'm just trying. To, <laughs> I'm just I'm these, looking for, like I'm just slow like, oh, just coming right out of the plate. I'm just like, bam. Yeah. It's next it's subject. Same, it's the same muscle as whatever makes sort of dad jokes. Yeah. yeah. I am. Um, yeah. No, but but that, that last one was really good though. That last one was like the Alvarez knockout. Mm, <laughs> so uh, so um, yes, I do. I do have some. I have some new music out, Brian. I have a new Tell single us about out. It. 
It came out on the solstice and it's called Lone Wolves Together. Lone Wolves Together is a song about togetherness and, and uh, lone, being alone, but being together alone. Um, and uh, it's now streaming at all your uh, favorite platforms. And you can watch the video on YouTube. That's awesome. There you go. Follow That's me on, on music platforms. Stream my music. Do it. Yeah. Uh, or you can buy cool, stuff. Yeah, you can buy stuff at Bandcamp and or you can go to my Patreon and we can make a deal. Yeah. Hey, so <laughs> by, the, by the way, uh, I also want to uh, give a shout out to your lovely wife who made a really cool video mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's cool. for for that track. And I loved it, man. It was like, I don't know. it. It's one of those things where when you watch something and you're like, I hope it doesn't like I will this don't don't go don't cut away from what you're doing I love what you're doing it's just mm -hmm. it's amazing but with these uh it's sort of glitched uh you know sort of uh but in a way that's more like creating a new shape <laughs> of yeah. these sort of drooping kind of faces in this interesting way yeah um hard to explain really cool to see so check yeah. it out on Joe's uh business uh Me, the, on his uh, Twitter the you know the art brain in me you know i look at it and i think of it as like almost like a painting you know and i, I i've got ideas to do like sort of collaborative ideas where i want to like edit that video in certain ways and huh. make certain things out of that video yeah that would obviously be you know credited to her and i both but she um uh but yeah that video is really cool and just so people know it's basically a like a remix of the the trailer from uh, James Dean's uh, Rebel Without a Cause, which is a movie about lone wolves together. It's basically a film about teenagers making their own family away from the unfeeling adults that surround them. <laughs> and uh, and um, Antonia likes to basically take footage and then mostly unedited footage, you know, in terms of cutting it up or anything, and then match it to the music you know, sort of like, um, like Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon kind of thing. And then yeah. basically yeah, yeah. she likes to do that because she's like really into the ideas of how perception finds, you know, the, your, your mind will knit it all together for you. You know what I mean? You don't need to cut it because it'll cut itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and obviously the theme matched and, and the effect is fantastic. And I, I, I love to... I love the persist. I love the simplicity of the the aesthetic overall. The fact that it's just like one effect applied in one way, and I love the persistence of the fact that it's just like that's the video. You know what I mean? It's not like you say. There's. It's like this is cool. Just let it run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that was exactly it. Hey, um, uh, sort of unrelated, but I just wanted to tell somebody. Um, yeah, tell me. Uh, I pre-ordered one of the few thousand copies, whatever that they're pressing of the ghost dog soundtrack. Oh, um, right on. This, uh, amazing vinyl pressing that they're doing of it. I Is think that from uh, 36 chambers. Yeah. And so, um, if the, that's a place I think where art and martial arts collide for sure. Um, we've got, but, we're in touch with somebody from 36 chambers. I'm going to, you know, Riz has been doing these, uh, these basically they've been doing these, uh, uh, film streams where they're showing old Kung Fu movies yep. that, that influenced, you know, the, the whole Wu Tang fucking universe. And, um, on some of them, it's been him and a, uh, guy from, a uh, a, like the director of a 
cinema out in LA and I'm not going to say his name right. So I'm not going to say his name at all, but I've been in touch with him. And the next time uh, him and Riza do one together, hopefully we'll have him on. I'd love to get Riza on, but uh, right now I'm yeah. in touch with the other dude who's a great film scholar and a really cool commentator as well. So it's, it's been really fun to watch those, man. I've, I've seen two of them, I think, and they're really funny, man. Really good and really informative. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you learn a lot about the music and you learn a lot about, like why these kids like on Staten Island were watching all these kung yeah. fu movies. Well, they, and they're, they really, they're really strong with their whole sort of presentation too. It's not like uh, mm -hmm. you get the zoom link or something. You're like, this is like you get like, th they've really done a great job of how they're, they're sort of curating and, and laying it yeah. all out and, and all that's very thought out and very intentional and really beautiful the way they've kind of put it all together. Right. But yeah, so like, uh, and this, this record, I mean, I've just got to, I'm just, I will go on the record right now and I have before and I will continue to do this, but I believe that it is possibly the, one of the best, if not traditional film score scores, but I mean, ultimately film score records, uh, oh, yeah. the, the ghost dog soundtrack is, uh, it's, it's transcendent, man. And it lasts, yeah. it's, it's still, it's forever. It's, it's timeless. It's all yeah. that. He uh, um uh that that go listen sequence, to it if you haven't heard it that sequence where uh, Forrest Whitaker is up on the roof doing his fucking kata <laughs> and it just like mm. all of a sudden just turns into like a slow motion music video kind of as I remember it but I love that, that, that theme so they play on that rooftop when he's doing his moves and stuff mm. it's like man this is so badass it's yeah. such a good movie and uh, I, Jim Jarmusch in general always manages to get some really nice soundtracks but but the fact that he worked with RZA and RZA just destroyed that soundtrack it's like it's not a surprise and it really shows like what you know another good good you know like neil young did a great soundtrack for dead man which is a really cool uh yeah. bookend to ghost dog like those two movies together yeah. all these crossing streams it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah I, I i um another key sort of element of ghost dog the film if you haven't seen it uh is uh these sort of homing pigeons mm -hmm. and uh when, I'm not gonna lie, man. When, when I was in New York the last time, and I had this place in Queens, we had the second floor, but we had the uh, of this kind of house in Queens, but we had the roof access of this building, and but nobody else could be up there, and uh, it wasn't much to speak of. But you, I was like, this is a perfect place to do it, like to to have our own homing pigeons, <laughs> did you and, just, and just like do it, just go, get go deep into that world. It's get a I pigeon. Did a, I, I did a lot of research at the time and it is fucking crazy, man. Like it's, I really, ha, hasn't somebody done a documentary like the, who's done the definitive uh, documentary on this whole phenomenon. I mean, it's like the culture of pigeon keeping in New York, all of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause <laughs> it's, it's insane from the cultural side, but also like the, the science and the, yeah, that's really interesting because, like, what I mean, could you you could probably tell some kind of wild narrative? Like, think about the pigeon, like in the in the story of Noah's Ark. The pigeon's been with us for a long time. I think that's a dove, actually, but we can say they're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. well, any, anything that's in the Bible, we can kind of always modulate to suit what our narrative is at the time. Modulate and right now, that's that what Bible. we need it to be. So carry on. Yes, pigeon, Look it is the pigeon, the saint of pigeons. There must be a saint of birds somewhere. <laughs> well hey man so uh we should probably wrap it up here pretty soon uh but uh is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that we got to today uh no um not that i can think of anything 
I can't think of anything else. I worked on a cool book project this week, Brian. And if I get this book to happen, I'll let you guys know. But Ooh. there was a, uh, uh, um, I became aware of a call for, you know, manuscripts basically from this company that makes these really interesting chat books. And um, they basically started saying, we would like something like this or something like that. Mm. And um, I had these photographs of um, Colonel Parker's old house slash office that was up in Madison, right? So this is, uh, if that doesn't ring a bell, this is Elvis's longtime manager had an office slash house up in Madison, the, in you know north of Nashville, in this neighborhood of Nashville, and uh, north of downtown. And um, a few years ago, 2017, uh, they we're going to knock it down for good to put a, uh, I think a car wash in there and John Carter cash, John cash, Johnny cash's son, um, stepped in and basically stripped the interior and stripped the exterior of the building with the idea that it needed to be preserved. Um, and then the rest of it was ter- torn down, but before it was torn down, it became this really crazy shrine where like all these people from all over the world, cause there's, fans from all of you know music fans from all over the world in nashville they fucking find out about this shit going down with the king's house because elvis used to stay there he used to park his fucking pink cadillac there when he'd be in nashville so so these all these people go there and they just decorate the place with all these like somebody put up this banner that had flags from around the world on it and there was like photos of elvis left at the site and graffiti and all this stuff anyway so i took a bunch of photos of that oh great and Yeah, and I and I kind of whittled it down to a, like a small number because they said basically that they wanted a certain number of images slash pages worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then I wrote this fictional origin story about Elvis, about a E. Okay, just I call him E, <laughs> and uh, just how how he basically grew up. You know, was born in Mississippi, and then basically made it to Nashville you know, to do his first recording session in Nashville. Cause he, he, you know, he has his famous beginnings at sun, but then his first major label deal is with RCA in Nashville. So, um, uh, anyway, it was a fun project and it's, it's kind of, the reason I want to bring it up isn't just to talk about this thing that may never even fucking see the light, of day, <laughs> but it's really just to say that like one cool thing about this, just in regards to like these sort of processes that we're talking about is lately, there's been a couple of things I've done where, I've just sort of seen, um, uh, I've seen the right space for a project, and and usually there's some kind of a time component, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and put this thing together because I know what it, because I've already been thinking about what could this be. I could do yeah. something. I could do this, and now it's like, well, that'd be perfect. So fucking just do it. Just do it. Get it done, and use yep. this opportunity as as a. Now I've got this really pretty fucking rad project that I'm really excited about. And That's even awesome. if this doesn't happen, now I've got it. You know what I mean? And I can do something with it. You know, just print it myself or whatever. But but anyway, yeah. but it, that, that's not the important part. The important part is I think, you know, sometimes it's helpful. Not so much. I mean, I'm I don't really have I, I just think it's helpful for your productivity sometimes if you, you know, can find these practical opportunities that have deadlines attached to them and you you just have to do this that and that song would be done well then get it done because on if you you've got three days till friday get it done yeah send it to that person whatever it is you know what i mean yeah so, so take advantage when you when you have a chance to sort of finish something for a reason yeah it's that's a good time to finish it and a, you'll finish yeah. it so even if you just finish it you're you know and the opportunity doesn't actually blossom or whatever you fucking have another thing that you made 
And yeah. you could do something with that. You yep. can't do something without that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just kind of being strategic and, and smart with your time and energy and also valuing the power of uh, just momentum. Because oh, yeah. like, like you said, like when you're already in the, you know, you've been getting through these different grants or whatever, like you've been, you know, refining and uh, all your message, like you've just, your muscles are, are, are yeah. responding really well to that right now. And so it's yeah. not that big of a deal to like, add one more round. I agree. I agree. You know, I just recently, uh, we, we got, we got to the end of our tomato season a little bit soon because we ended up with some like this spotting on the tomatoes. So it's like, do you leave them? Cause they, we haven't gotten our tomato update. Yes. <laughs> so, so we took, we picked all the tomatoes <laughs> and said, okay, tomatoes are done. It's fall now get the tomatoes out of there, but it's the perfect time for spinach, Brian. And I had this oh. little thing in my brain that said, if I just keep on gardening, yep. Um, it will be easier than just like gardens over for the summer, start uh -huh. the garden up again next summer. You know what yep. I mean? It's going to actually just be easier if Part I try to grow potatoes through the winter, like my ancestors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Suffer. <laughs> Suffer Mountain failure. It's a rain. It's a rain and cold. And I got to get the fire potatoes. It is, <laughs> it is disrespectful if you do not fail equally as the people before you forward like you know four months and i'm like richard harris and on a bad day <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh well let's get on out of here man i really appreciate everybody uh listening and, and watching and uh you know we're still working on our little transition here but uh but thanks yeah. for hanging with us we've got a few people in the works oh by the way too people if you guys aren't watching robin black um live on twitter and or on youtube i think if mm -hmm. you're not watching him like during these bellator broadcasts like you gotta watch him missing because gold yeah yeah, those Bellator broadcasts are fucking awesome when you're just sitting there watching. Uh, I don't need, I'm watching, the, I guess I'm watching the fight, but I'm watching it on their thing. So I'm just watching the fight kind of small and listening to them talk about it. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's so good. I mean, those, those, the, the people, the guests he has on and stuff, it's just amazing. It's, it's really become like my favorite like thing like regularly going on like I, I, I there's no podcast i'm really crazy about right now there's really nothing like that but when robin black's like live commenting those even the fucking early bellator show it's like yeah. man i love this i really yeah. love them that's gonna happen this weekend so people should tune in uh james gallagher's fighting and uh i don't know who else i think i think i think there's a fight on tonight and then maybe one on this is Thursday, and then one on Saturday as well. And I think Gallagher is fighting on Saturday. Does that sound right? Am I crazy? And Paul Daly fights tonight, maybe. Look, I, I look. You just brought up a lot of things, Joe. It might be Friday and Saturday. Uh, no. So uh, tonight, Bellator two forty seven. Paul Daly. Uh, uh no. Oh. Wait, Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, Everybody just look it up because by the time this comes out, this will be over anyway. No, okay, so, yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah. Uh, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so if 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 it's past Thursday, then um uh, on Saturday, I think it's James Gallagher who's fighting at uh, at Bellator again. And you got to watch Robin yeah. Black do it. That's uh, it's Bellator Europe nine October third. So in yeah. two days, in two days from now, so probably a day from when people hear this or see it. That'll be fun. Right on. Uh, all right. Well, s send us out. Anything else, man? Uh, who's is there a UFC fight this weekend? <laughs> Joe, we got to end the podcast, man. Do we have to? Yeah, like uh, the meter's running. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, Fight Island 4, Home Aldana. 
Holmes fighting. You know, I want and Durandami Pena. That's actually I'm interested to see what Pena is going to be bringing. Uh, uh, yeah, I love Pena, and um, uh, and I really hope she does great. She's actually like one of my favorite fighters right now. I yeah. was really happy. I wasn't really paying attention, and when I saw she was coming back, I saw her do this big long interview the other day, and I was like so excited to see her on the card. Um, because I'm not obviously not paying much attention to the next yeah. card. I'm still yeah. like Costa land, um, yeah. but. Um, but I, and I also love Holly home and there's just so much to love about Holly home. I feel like sometimes her fights are less exciting than I want them to be, but sometimes they're incredibly exciting. Like yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of like a zero to a hundred. She's her. lost her, like what her last four or five fights or something. Right. I mean, it's so weird that she's headlining. It's, it's mm -hmm. also, I mean, the, the card is also kind of a weird, like, uh, you know, like sometimes when you get like you have sometimes your leftovers at the end of the week kind of marry together more nicely than others. You know what I mean? It kind of just feels like it kind of worked out like where it's like that. That's a reasonable as, uh, assembly of food to put together and eat and call it a meal. Like that works. <laughs> it's a good point. It is a little bit of a of a weird card, but but I'm 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 grateful for it, and I really of course yeah. Just like given her sort of the, her character, the way that she yep. carries herself, and the yeah. way that she. Um, I, I really have a lot of respect for her yeah, and I'm always human. see her and man, watch out for the head kick because she can still do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, all right. uh, right. we're going to get out. Um, guys, thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so Everybody, much. Next week, it'll probably be just me and Brian again, unless we just quit doing this because Brian's doing that. Yeah, actually. Um, uh, uh, but, We'll get another guest on soon. There's a couple people in play. We'll talk about it after we get off the air, Brian. Take yeah. it easy, man. All right. Hey, hey, Joe, can we talk again in like about uh, 30 seconds? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Appreciate you guys. Later. I know. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight Podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash artfightpodcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone